turn to, we'll start in Mark chapter 16, a good place to begin. I thought this would be as good a time as any to discuss the practical how-tos in evangelism. Hopefully I can help you out in your personal evangelism at school and at work. Um, we'll say first that tracks are a must, but I think everybody in here absolutely 100% needs to learn how to talk to people. Would you agree? Sure. I don't know about you, but I really, I really struggled with that when I was your age. Just for, forget evangelism, just talking to people. I was really, really shy. So then when I got saved and I had a burden to tell people about what the Lord did to me, I had to figure out a way to talk to people. And the best way to do it is just just to do it, just to go talk to other people. But I want to talk about the practical ways we can go about it, Um, some good ways to begin. And I forgot to bring those. I had some books at my house. I want to recommend, and some of this is directly from Mark Cahill's One Thing You Cannot Do in Heaven book. You heard of that book, One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven? Some of you? If you haven't read that book, you really, really should. Great book. Great stuff. He's got some good stuff on YouTube, some sermons and things. Um, Let's begin. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I think that this is a major distinction between true Christianity and everybody else. Every other branch of Christianity... Protestant, Catholic, or what, you know, they'll call themselves Christian, but when you want to talk about your faith outside of a church-organized or church-sponsored event, that says something. I think so. Because growing up, I never had really anybody talk about their faith or their religion or their God ever that I can remember. So if you, if you are truly saved, then you want to. You can't help but do it. And when you do it, it speaks a lot to other people that you're talking to, whether they want to hear you or not, it's something real that you have that they may not have. Okay, so let's begin. How to begin in your personal evangelism. I would say the first thing you need to do is pray. Prayer is the foundation to all of it. Lord, help me care about the lost. Lord, help me to love the lost. Lord, give me great boldness with every opportunity that you give me to speak to the lost. Those are some good things you can pray. And I'm telling you, God will answer those prayers. He will. He does. The next thing I'd say is to, when you get to school or when you get to work, be friendly. That's super important. Be friendly. Not many of us are very friendly. I'm not very friendly. I really have to make an effort to be friendly. I don't want to be mean, but sometimes I look like I'm mean or angry. And I try not to. Sometimes I look really tired, and I am. But... When you get to school or work, you need to engage other people in conversation. How do you do that? Hi, how are you? Great way to start. Or how was your weekend? You know, let's say it's Monday morning. I do that a lot at work. I say, I ask people, how was church yesterday? I think 100% of the people I've ever asked that at work don't go to church. And they all say that. They'll say, oh, I don't go to church. So it's a great end to the conversation. Oh, really? Why not? You know, I had a great time at church. That's a good way to start. So be friendly. Next thing I would say is anytime throughout the day or night, be ready. Be ready. God might just give you, they might come to you. That doesn't happen very often. You need to engage your culture and engage other people, but they might come to you. 
So when someone asks, how are you? What would be a good response? Well, I'm blessed and highly favored. Have you ever heard that before? One of my coworkers at SpaceX said that all the time. He'd say, I'm blessed, or he'd say, I'm finer than a frog's hair split three ways. He'd say funny things like that. But he always said, I'm blessed and highly favored. Or you could say, I'm doing better than I deserve. Yeah. And a lot of people say, oh, why would you say that? Well, let me tell you why I would say that. Because God has given me more than I deserve. I deserve to be punished for my sins. Or great because God is good. Those are good things to say. So be ready. Because people are going to put the ball in your court. And often we drop the ball. I drop the ball many times. Um, and in order to be able to say those things without lying, here's what I'm not trying to say. I'm not trying to tell you guys and gals to be superficial. You know, don't be plastic. Don't be something that you're not. But in order to be saying those things without lying, when you say that, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. These things need to be real to you. We're going to say more about that in a little bit. But everything we teach here should be a part of your life already. It should be who you are. Um, so be a spiritual man or a spiritual woman in private. You can, and you need to be if you're going to say those things. Have a cheerful attitude. If you're not cheerful... Look like you're cheerful, right? You got to try. Um, be approachable, you know. Be somebody that people feel like they can talk to. And like I said before, don't wait. Approach others. It means a lot if you're going to go out of your way and talk to other people. Good example about that. On Friday, Friday morning, there's a guy that pulls into our job with a Nebraska license plate on his car, and I don't see very many of those. Down here, And so I said, hey, I, I had seen it all week, but I finally saw who got out of the car. Went up and said, hey, man, you from Nebraska? You know, we got to talking. Um, I told him, he said his wife is from Nebraska. I, I said, yeah, I'm from Nebraska, too. You know, I moved here in 2016. Oh, why'd you move here? Well, I moved here to go to Bible school. Right into the conversation, we talked about the Lord for probably 20 minutes. You know, he said he's Catholic, and he, he tried to play it off like he's some spiritual guy. That happens a lot, you know. People find out you're a Christian, they'll say, oh, yeah, you know, me too. He probably hasn't been to church, or he's probably not even saved. But but you know what? Go approach them. It means a lot, and be friendly. That goes a long way. Um, and you're going to get opportunities tomorrow. Here's a big point. Let's say you put these things into practice. What happens if you miss your opportunity? It's very simple. What do you do if you miss your opportunity, if you drop the ball? I mean, I'm, I'm seriously asking if you guys want to like raise your hand. Feel free. Yeah. And try again. Bingo. Try again. It's that simple. Just try again. <clears throat> okay, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 29 now. Grab Proverbs 29 and Isaiah 51. Move on to the next point. Okay, what's this point? This point is learn to overcome the fear of man. You've got to overcome it. Proverbs 29, verse number 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Many seek the ruler's favor, but every man's judgment cometh from the Lord. Jump over to Isaiah 51. These are good verses to memorize. Verse number 12. 
I, even I, am he that comforteth you. Who art thou that thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die? And of the Son of Man which shall be made as grass. Let's read it again. Who art thou that thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die? We have no reason to be afraid of anybody we're talking to. And that has got to be the number one reason why more Christians don't share their faith on a regular basis with other people is because we're afraid. The fear of man brings a snare. It'll, trip you, it'll keep you from doing what you need to do. But we have no reason to be afraid. They're going to die like we're going to die. And every man's judgment cometh from the Lord, so you need to keep that in mind too. Judgment day. For them and for me. That's how you'll start to learn to care about people. Man, I, I, have, to, I have to keep that in mind. Now let's jump over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So learn to overcome the fear of man. Because hell is a real place where real people go when they die. And if that is true, we have no we, we can't not share our faith. We have to always be ready to share our faith. Hell is a real place. Judgment day. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse number, let's begin with verse number 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Another great reason to put these things into practice. We are confident, I say, and willing rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every one may receive the things done in His body according to that He hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Okay, the word persuade means to reason with people with determination. We've got to have a sense of urgency, knowing the terror of the Lord. These are simple truths. But learn to overcome your fear of man. All right, let's move on. Another good, good point is... You just got to practice. Who here would say they're not very good at sharing their faith with another person when you don't have a tract in your pocket? Me too. So what do you do when you're not very good at something? You practice. People make it to the NFL and the NBA because they practiced a lot. They dribbled a basketball for hours a day, every day, for years, and they got really good and got to play on TV. And most people have heard the name Tom Brady because Tom Brady threw a football every day for decades, for hours, and he practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced, and he's won more championships than anybody. He's a winner because he practiced. The same goes with evangelism. If you want to get to where you have no fear and you can just approach somebody and say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus, and you got a smile on your face, it doesn't just happen. you got to practice. You do it again and again and again. Very simple. Practice, practice, practice. If you're going to be good at music, that's, that's all it is. A lot of you play instruments. You just practice for hours and hours and hours. Because nobody wants to get up in front of the church and mess up. Right? It's embarrassing. Is it not? That's how I feel. That's why I don't get up there very often. If I'm going to do it, I don't want to mess up. If I do, I'm going to be furious. But no, you've got to practice. That's, that's all it is. Just practice, practice, practice. Jump over to Luke chapter 6. This will be our next passage. Luke chapter 6. 
We're talking about how-tos, the practical side of evangelism. I mean, Chris Hewitt really did a good job of giving you the burden, right? That's how I felt. Man, he kind of got me fired up. Luke chapter 6. I'm in John 6. Luke chapter 6. We need to know the the practical side, the how-tos, because this is where we struggle. Because a lot of times our desire will get us on the field, but then how do I run my route, you know? You've got you to learn these things. You've got to practice. Luke chapter 6, verse number, we're going to read two verses, verse number 45 and 46. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. And why call ye me, Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Mm. Think about that in light of the first verse we read. When Jesus commanded us to go and to preach the gospel. Here's my point. You need to fill your heart and your mind with God and with the Bible. Because if you do that, the things you will talk about to other people will be God and the Bible. Right? So you need to read your Bible. You need to memorize your Bible. You need to listen to godly music. Listen to sermons. Listen to other people that have done these things. And what I said earlier, this is the point I was trying to make, is make witnessing a part of who you are. When, when you say, hi, my name is Christian, I am, a, I am an evangelist. <laughs> he doesn't get money from churches, but that's who he is. So when people think of you, they associate you with somebody who's outspoken about his faith. Make it who you are. Because when you make it who you are, eventually it'll, just, it'll seem very natural. It won't seem like you're trying to be somebody that you're not. It won't seem like you're trying to shove something down their throat. I can't tell you how many times people tell me. And I don't know how I should take it. I think I take it as a compliment, but they'll say, thank you for not shoving this down my throat. And I feel like I am. Like, you know, we're talking about a lot of personal things and I'm putting them on the stand. But when you do it enough and you practice, you get to where it's just a natural thing and people will appreciate that. It's who you are. And that, that also, another point on that is it's attractive. It becomes an attractive thing. It's something that people want to know more about. And then they'll pick your brain and they'll want to talk to you. And people are going to see that you have something that they definitely don't have. And they're going to want it. And what should you have? You should have Christ. You should have him all the time. He's got to be real to you. That's the only way I can think to describe it. Is this stuff has to be real to you. Because it's real to our pastor and the youth pastor and the other leader. It's real to these people. But it's got to be real to you, the individual. Does that make sense? So he's got to be real to you. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Man, that is so true. Another point I want to make is you always need to be ready to discuss your personal testimony. And how do you discuss your personal testimony? You have a personal testimony. Right? If you don't have a testimony, you have nothing to talk about. But if you've got a story to tell, man, this is what happened. You know, I got invited to this Bible study, heard these things, changed my life. Like the first probably, I don't know, year that I shared my faith, I probably preached a false gospel. I'm being honest. Like I really didn't know what I was talking about. But I knew something had happened to me. And I knew that my life had been changed. And if nothing else, people saw, man, this guy's really got something. Maybe I should read my Bible. 
And I might have said that they need to clean up their life if they're going to go to heaven or something. You know, a lot of people mess up and say that, but you got to have a personal testimony. Okay, here's a good little example. There's this guy, Matt. He doesn't, well, he worked there last week at my job, but he got fired. But Matt came, and he was always stressed out. He was also on drugs, so don't do drugs. It's really, really stupid. But anyway, he was stressed out one morning, and I, was, I told him, I said, man, I can't imagine having your job. I said, man, it would be so stressful. And it is. Pretty much everybody that's a pile-driving foreman is on drugs or an alcoholic or something. It's a stressful job. They don't know the Lord. And anyways, I said, I can't imagine having your job because I said, I already have to pray very fervently every day for God to help me with my job. And it's an easy job. And it kind of started a conversation with him. He didn't want to get saved. But, you know, he, people, if you do that enough, people will feel comfortable talking about God with you because a lot of people don't feel comfortable right away and that's okay and that leads good into my next point what if they're not interested what if you approach somebody and you say hey yeah you know I I pray a lot God helps me and you know you say something spiritual and they just kind of turn you off what do you do at that point well there's a lot of different things you can do what I do is I I don't force the issue right away I'll kind of take the hint but then I'll try again. You know, I, I don't know. Some people might have a different view, but that seems to be kind of effective. I'll tell you another story here in a minute about that. Well, if they're not, here's another good. So like my grandfather, he's not saved. The one that's, that's still alive, he's not saved. And uh, I've tried to witness to him many times. And every time I bring up the Lord or something, he really, you can tell he really does not want to talk about it. And he changes the subject or like abruptly and it's I don't know it's really hard so I what I do is I pray I pray for them pray that God will soften their heart and I try again and look for another opportunity and you don't have to wait very long you can try again the same day Um, or you can try again tomorrow so if they're not interested that's not the end of the world and some people aren't interested right away and maybe I'll tell that story right now um so I'm going to use this guy as an example here for my next few points. There's another guy at our, at our, uh, on our project named Dennis. He actually lives in De Leon Springs, goes to First Baptist. I didn't know any of that. I mean, I, got, I introduced myself to him this week and tried to get to know him a little bit. And uh, I mentioned something about our church, and I was trying to, like, take a, a normal conversation, which is my next point. How do we go from small talk to eternal talk? I was trying to take small talk into an eternal conversation, and he really didn't seem like he wanted to talk about it. So I just kind of left it at that for, for a little while and uh, talked about something else. The day went on. Ended up talking to him later, and I, I brought up the Lord or something again. Or he, No, he had a, like a close, what was it? I think I wrote it down. I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was like a really close call. Maybe, I don't remember if he had like an accident or something what it was but I said man praise the Lord that you made it out of that or something and even that didn't like turn a small conversation into an eternal it didn't really do much but I think it was later that day or the next day he came up to me and he goes so where do you go to church and so I told him and we talked for probably I would say almost two hours standing in one spot you know about church about the Lord and stuff and uh it was just, it was really great. It, was per- it worked perfectly because he wasn't interested at first. I didn't press the issue, but I tried again later, tried again the next day. And 
if you're not weird about it, they'll be interested to talk to you. And we had a great conversation. The guy's saved. His wife is Catholic. She goes to church sometimes with him at First Baptist. Um, but anyway, I told him, I mentioned something, how I'm going to be teaching Thursday night next week. The next day, he goes, hey, I listened to one of your sermons online. I'm like, no way. He goes, yeah. He goes, I checked you guys out. That was the coolest thing ever. So you never know. But back to our next point. How do we go from small talk to eternal talk? And it kind of goes back to what I was just saying. Constantly try to find a way to say something about God, to say something spiritual in a very natural way. It doesn't, it needs, it can be natural. Very, or people like to say organic. You know, it can be organic in the conversation. I don't know about that organic thing, but. But you know what? That may not always work. So at some point in the conversation, you know what you might have to do? You might just have to ask him, hey, are you a Christian? Are you saved? Or you can say, what do you think happens after you die? You know, and that, a lot of times that'll spark a really interesting conversation. So you may just have to ask him those questions. And I ask people that all the time. I've found that when you say, are you a Christian? That's kind of a, uh, what's the word? It's not very, they don't feel like, they don't feel like they have to, they're on edge or something. You know, it's kind of a non-confrontational thing because most people would say that they're a Christian. But that shouldn't be the end of the conversation because you should use that to say, okay, well, what do you mean? You know, where do you go to church? How did you become a Christian? And then you hear out of their own mouth whether they're saved or not, and you can learn a lot about them. Another thing I should probably say on this point is why are we doing this? You know, because often when I first started to share my faith, I really did care. I really did care. But at a certain point, I got to where I didn't, I didn't talk about the Lord all that much. But then I got really convicted about it. I said, you know, I really need to share my faith. And it was a thing I realized I had to do. But the, the error in how I was doing it or my why, I really didn't care all that much about the person that I was talking to. You know, I, you really need to care about these people. You just need to care about people. And you may not be the kind of person that does, because I'm not. If I'm being completely honest, I don't care about anybody. I care about my family, you know, naturally. Naturally, we care about ourselves, which is why there's so much in the Scripture about being forced to love other people. Why would, why would we have to be told to love our neighbor as ourselves? Because we love ourselves. So don't use that as an excuse to say, ah, oh, I'm just not, I just don't really care. I just don't love people. You need to try. You really need to try. You need to make an effort to do that. And that's something that I work on every day. Lord, help me to care about other people. Help me to love other people. And those are, those are the kind of prayers that you will see God answer very quickly. Because probably most of my prayers, I don't see an answer to them for a long time, if ever. But those kind of prayers, Lord, help me share my faith. Lord, help me care about my neighbor. He answers those right away. You'll see it, and it's neat. And that'll strengthen your faith. So you definitely, that's something that a lot of, a lot of good Christian people, I think, really struggle with. You really have to care about that person. And if the person that you're speaking to, whether forget about evangelizing for a second. If you're talking to somebody... And they get the sense that all you want to do is talk about yourself and you don't really care about them. That's a, that's a real turnoff. Like, no, they don't want to, they don't want to, I don't want to talk to, I'm thinking of somebody right now, used to go to church here. All they would talk about is himself. 
Like he would see you and come up to you and just start telling you about himself. And it was so annoying. Like, I want to talk about me too. And that's what everybody wants to do, you know? So it's a good, it's a good habit to do. So if you want to become a better Christian, just start caring about other people. These are really, really simple things. Simple truths probably all of you have known and heard before. But it's something that I definitely have to work on myself every day. Okay, so care about them. Let's move on here. Okay, here, here's another good story. So on Thursday morning, there's this other foreman at work. He's a concrete foreman, one of the bridge foremen who builds the bridges. His name is Baruch. Now, I've witnessed to this guy before. We had a really good conversation. He didn't get saved. I don't even think he really understood the gospel, but he was very nice and respectful. He's a Catholic man. Thursday morning, I hadn't seen him in weeks. I've been working with a different crew. Thursday morning, I'm inspecting his work. So I go up to him. I said, morning, Bruce. How you doing? Great. You know, what do you, what you, I said, what's your game plan for today and tomorrow? We're talking about work. He said, well, I'm not going to be here tomorrow. I said, oh, good for you, man. He said, no, it's not good for me. I said, what, what do you mean? He goes, I have surgery tomorrow. He said, the doctor said they found something like a big ball in my stomach. And he said, they said I may not wake up. I said, Baruch, what if you don't wake up? I said, are you ready? He goes, oh. He goes, I don't know, amigo. He goes, I don't know if I am. Boy, we talked. I preached the gospel to him. I told him, I said, Baruch. I said, you need to get born again, man. And I, I really had to explain it through him. I walked and pulled out my phone. I opened up my Bible app, and I was showing him John chapter 3. And I kept telling him, I said, you need to get born again. And he would ask me, he would say, how? And so we went to John chapter 3, where Jesus tells a man, you have to be born again. And you know what his response was? How? How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb? So I showed him that. And I said, Bruce, and we kept reading. For God sent not a son to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We read John 3.16. And I, I showed it to him and I had him read it. And I said, so what do you need to do to become born again? He goes, he goes you have to believe it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man. You need to believe. I said, you can do that right now. So I don't know if he did or not, but we made it crystal clear. So he said he had surgery on Friday. I haven't heard from him since. Hope I see him again, but yeah, we had a really good conversation, you know. I hope he believed it. I hope he got saved. We'll see what happens. But you never know. You never know. Funny how that works out, especially this past week. Um, let's move on. So here's another good question. You're sharing your faith. What if you find out that the person's already saved? What do you do then? Any ideas? What do you do if you find out they're already saved? Well, like I said before, I would ask how they got saved. That's the first thing I would do. I would ask where they go to church, um, etc. All kinds of things. Really, like I said before, you really just have to get to know them. You really got to get to know people and befriend them. And this brings me back to the story I was telling about my coworker Dennis. He wasn't really seeming to be interested in spiritual things. But come to find out he was. And we ended up talking for hours and hours. And pretty much since then, he's just been picking my brain every time he sees me. 
he'll like he'll go, hey, I've got a question for you. And so like one of the things he said, this is a great question. He goes, Gage, I've got a question for you. I'm like, okay, great. He goes, so where do you draw the line between Catholics versus Baptists? He goes, where do you draw the line? That's a great question. So I told him, I said, well, first of all, you draw the line at the gospel. We have two different gospels. Now, that may not mean anything to somebody that doesn't go to our church, because when they think the gospel, they're probably thinking of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So I had to explain the gospel. He, he, he must have already understood it. Anyways, we talked about that. Then we talked about a lot of other things. Um, because he said the same thing. He goes, he goes, what do you draw the line? Because he goes, I always thought that Catholics and Christians were the same thing. So he said, that's when I found out his wife was Catholic and that sort of thing. Um, this is another good question that he asked. The next day or something, I don't remember when it was, he, I walked up to him and said, hey, Dennis, how you doing? He goes, hey, i got another question for you. He goes, do you think that someone can be saved and then go on to live a sinful life? Isn't that a good question? I said, well, that's a great question. I said, absolutely. And that's very controversial because you've got to explain it. Well, I found out I knew he had a daughter that was getting ready to go to college. And I said, and he was making sure she went to a Christian school. He was putting her in a Christian college somewhere in South North Carolina. And I said, Dennis, you're sending this daughter, your daughter to this Christian school. And that might be all well and good. She has to go to chapel two times a week. What if she walks away from it? What if she calls you and says, hey, I'm a lesbian. I want nothing to do with this. I said, is she still your daughter? She will always be his daughter. So people need to understand when you believe the gospel and you become a child of God, Jesus said, no man can pluck them out of my hand, nor my father's hand. My father's greater than I, and my father are one. That's a hard concept for people to understand because naturally we have a workspace righteousness in our mind. You can't walk away from God and really be saved. And so then we talked about that, the difference between being saved and being a Christian. You know, a Christian is someone who is like Christ. So anyway... Opened up some great conversations. But you just have to put yourself out there and you've got to be friendly. But back to the point, what if we find out they're saved? You might be tempted to think, and I have, and I know before, you might be tempted to think, oh, he's already saved. I don't need to talk to him. Right? I don't, I don't need to evade. That's not true. Because you know what you're doing when you talk to other saved people about the Lord in public? Whether you know it or not. You're encouraging them to do the same thing. They see that someone is not afraid to talk about Jesus Christ publicly. And they will be encouraged to do the same thing. So, I thought that was a good point. You know, you never know. They see that it's okay to do that. Because a lot of people don't think it's okay. Or they just, they, you know, they don't know. Another good example of that is uh, Jose the Surveyor. There's like six or seven Jose's on this project. It's hilarious. You know, they call him Jose, Jose B, Jose C. But, uh, but anyway, Jose the surveyor, he's my friend. But he's a guy. Last year one day, I saw him walking around with his survey equipment, and I said, I need to talk to this guy. He always had a smile on his face. He's a real nice guy. That doesn't mean he's saved. But anyways, I went over there and tried to witness to him. Found out he's saved. He goes to a church. I found out we have, like, the same life. Like, he, he goes to some Spanish church in south of Kissimmee or somewhere. I don't remember where it's at, but, yeah, he helps out a lot at his church. You know, they work with the young people, and he teaches the children's church. And I'm like, man, that's hilarious. I would have never known. And we have some great fun. Now, he's a little more charismatic than we are, you know. 
but that's okay. You know, we're friends. And I, he really encourages me. He's always got a smile on his face. And that's just who he is. They, they hired another surveyor. They've hired a lot of surveyors since then to help him out. And the one guy got fired a couple weeks ago. And I said, whatever happened to that other guy? He goes, ah, oh, it wasn't working out. And, you know, they told him, they said, if you can't, you know, if you can't work out with Jose, you're not going to work out with anybody because he's the nicest guy in the world. But anyways, Jose comes up to me one day. He goes, hermano, so glad to see you. He goes, every time I see you, I think to myself, I got to share my faith with somebody. Ain't that a blessing? Yeah. That is so encouraging. And you know what? You may not, it may or may not be right to do this so that you can encourage other people, which it is. But if nothing else, you need the encouragement. I need that encouragement. I get discouraged as much as anybody with all that I got going on in life. So that was a real blessing. But yeah, you, I would have never known those things had I not gone out and talked to him. So let's move on. I'm going to wrap this up. Okay. What if you approach somebody and you say, Hi, my name is Brian. What's your name? They say, My name is like, I don't know, some weird name. And they say, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a trans. What do you do then? You run away. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. I'm completely kidding. No, no, no. But hey, that's a real thing. Sure. Or they say, I'm gay. And they hear you're a Christian, and they want to know what you're going to say about it. Because they get very confrontational oftentimes. And it's, it's crazy to say, but it's so real. Like my parents, when they flew down from South Dakota, I told Brother David this. They're sitting on a plane next to this 12-year-old girl. Her dad's up a couple rows, and they're, they're just they're getting to know this girl. You know, where are you from? I'm from such and such, South Dakota. Do you have any siblings? Yeah, I've got an older brother, a younger brother. She goes, well, my older brother, he says he's a girl now. I'm like, whoa. When I heard that, I couldn't believe it. My parents are from rural Midwest where there isn't a whole lot of that stuff, but it's there. This is so real. So what do you do if you talk to them? Honestly, it shouldn't change anything. You really, it really shouldn't change anything. You should love them and care about them as much as anybody. You should be willing to share the gospel with them as much as anybody. But you need to have a couple things in mind because they're going to throw some things out there. And here's another good point. What if they're gay or trans? What if they're a, a fornicator and adulterer? What if they're a liar and a thief? What if they're an idolater or a covetous? Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 real quick. I'm wrapping this up. Great passage to turn to if you have time to show them. You know, if you're a nice person, they will listen to you. 1 Corinthians 6, verse number 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Okay. All in the same list. What do they need to do? What does a gay person need to do? They need to repent and believe the gospel. What does a confused boy or girl that thinks he's the opposite gender need to do? Repent and believe the gospel the same way a liar and a thief needs to repent and believe the gospel. Don't apologize. Don't apologize for God's position on these things because it's sin and that's a sin. 
And you know what? You can read them this passage and where it says, and such were some of you. He's, and you can tell them, look, I was one of those. Maybe not gay, but I was, I struggled with stealing things that didn't belong to me. I lie to people all the time. And you know what? God has helped me overcome that. And you can tell them what God did for you. What if they say this? This is a big point. What if they say, I was born this way? I was born this way. I don't know about that. But pretty much everybody was born a sinner. Right? Romans 5.12. But another thing they say is, how can you criticize somebody that's gay or trans or something if God made them that way? That's another thing you'll hear. God made me this way. I hear other people that aren't even, they, they just talk about it. That are sympathizers towards homosexuality. They say, well, how can, it, how can you have a problem when God made them that way? People say that all the time. Did God make them that way? Yes or no? No. Who made them that way? Where did sin come from? By one man sin entered into the world and then death by sin. Romans 5.12 So don't blame God for your desire and your appetite for that which is sinful. Right? The answer is very simple. They need to repent. They need to repent. And Jesus loves them. But He wants His love to lead them to repentance. Just like His love led us to repentance. And again, this would be a good opportunity for you to share the gospel. Okay, so let's wrap this up. So like I said before, when I was y'all's age, I really struggled just talking to people in general. And when I learned these things, these were so helpful to me. Like, let me tell you how shy I was the kid that was like probably 13 or 14 and still telling my mom in the subway line when the guy would ask me what I want on my sandwich, I'd tell my mom what I want so she can tell the guy what I want. That's embarrassing, <laughs> but that was me. And you know something? If Jesus has changed your life, you absolutely cannot keep that to yourself. And you need to overcome your fears. You need to learn to approach people. You need to be friendly. You need to make sharing the gospel a part of who you are. And when you do that, you'll find yourself fulfilling the Great Commission every day, one person at a time. So, and I'm telling you, when you start doing that, to me, that is like the greatest thrill in life. When you get in a good conversation with somebody about the Lord, it is so satisfying. It's so neat seeing God work. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the many examples we have in life that can help us with these things. Help us to care about people. Help us to be friendly. Help us to love others like you do. And help us to be bold witnesses, Father, of the things that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.